like that. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Beyond the Course podcast. Today's guest is Sam Westwood, son and part-time caddy, I guess we could say now, of Lee Westwood. How are you doing, Sam? You okay? I'm good, thanks, Alex. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Can we call you that now? Is it part-time? You're obviously popping up a little bit more now on the bag, doing the Ryder Cup next week. Yeah, I'd say I could call it part-time. I'd say every now and then, 60-40, we split it more or less now. Yeah. So, so obviously, I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm on next week, obviously. I'm looking forward to that. But usually, whatever comes across my desk, I get offered. I don't, I don't volunteer for a lot of things. I mean, I was going to ask this, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on in terms of how you work it, but um, we'll start with next week, of course. Um, thanks for joining us before that busy week next week. So how excited are you for next week? Caddying for your dad at the Ryder Cup. First time for you. Um, it's a big one. It's a very big one, yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm very excited. It's, yeah. it's hard to downplay, you know, how excited I am for it. Every, every day feels like day before Christmas. Like I'm just waking up and getting closer and closer and getting on that plane and heading over to Whistling Straits. So I'm really looking forward to it. And there's, it's going to be once in a lifetime sort of experience. Any, any nerves there? I mean, obviously, you know, you're on the bag for your dad and it's more of a, a, a relaxed atmosphere now for him. That's what he wants. So is there any nerves there, particularly for you or, you? I mean, your dad, there will be, but for you, um, or is it just kind of, you know, looking forward to it and that's it? Not for myself. I don't get very nervous when I carry because I don't I don't work a lot with the numbers and I don't work out a lot of the yardages for me. So there's not really much, there's no pressure really on anyone in the, in the partnership. I'm just there to, you know, make everything as as comfortable and run as smoothly as possible so I'm just there for a bit of company and to carry the bag so I don't get very nervous I try and you know keep everything you know fairly relaxed yeah so what does next week's preparation look like for you and your dad are you flying out this weekend I presume uh yeah uh, we're heading out heading out to London on Sunday we've got to fly out uh Monday morning put early Monday morning and then I've uh, I've got the schedule through for you know everything that's happening and He's done some range work. He's been with his coach on the range and uh, we'll fly out. And I think there's a couple of practice days and then everything starts everything kicking off, you know, opening ceremony. And then uh, we head off on Friday. We start playing. So um, I think we start, we ease into the week. It's, you don't know, go off with a bang. There's no point, you know, wearing yourself out. The Ryder Cup's a pretty long week, I've been told. Um, so, you know, you just got to keep up your energy at levels and, you know, don't let, don't get get ahead of yourself too much before you before you know it. You're pretty worn out. Yeah. So you be you be joining in with the with the practice rounds as well this time. Uh, yeah, I'll be getting the practice round. I'll just pretty much go with whatever with whatever the boss wants. If he says we'll go out hit a couple of balls, we'll hit a couple of balls. If he fancies nine holes, we'll do nine holes. Um, I think there's a little bit more structure to it. Obviously, it's my first Ryder Cup. I'm not entirely sure what uh, how everything runs. He's done plenty of them to know what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. So I just leave everything to him and just carry the bag and walk along next to him. Yeah. I mean, what's he like with his practice rounds? Because it's a good point there. He said about where he just wants to hit a few balls. And I think a lot of the pros are like that, aren't they? They, they don't want to overdo it. And if they feel good, like, you know, they've hit a couple of good shots, they'll just leave it as that. So is that kind of what he likes to do as well? Yeah. Um, during a regular tournament week, you know, we'll be out there. We'll play... Uh, Maybe we'll get fly out on like the Monday, play nine holes on the Tuesday because there's usually a nine hole pram on uh, Wednesday. But if there's an 18 hole pram, we might just hit a couple of balls on Tuesday just to not overexert himself, you know, again, keep the energy levels up. But, uh, you know, he likes to hit a couple of balls before the round, a couple of balls after the round if he's trying to feel something in his swing. And he just, 
it's it's more of a week to week, whatever whatever you feel comfortable with. I think he likes to switch up his routine a little bit. You know, when he, if he's feeling a bit tired, if he's done like an eight week stretch or something, and he's and he's getting towards the end of that, you know, yeah. energy levels are pretty low. But uh, if he's if he's feeling good, we'll go out, we'll hit a few, and then hit a couple of pots. And I just like being out there with him. So whatever's yeah. whatever he wants to do. So how's he feeling then? I mean, I imagine, you know, you, you probably notice it more than we do, but he's got that little bit of extra in his eyes when, when it's Ryder Cup week, I imagine. Yeah, I, I like to think during the Ryder Cup week, I think he bleeds blue and yellow, you know. <laughs> it's it's all or nothing for Europe. Um, I think it's just everyone gets that extra bit of boost of energy. Everyone, you know, hypes themselves up a bit more. Everyone's just, you know, wanting to give it the world because they're representing, you know, a much... A much bigger thing than themselves they're representing their teams they want to they want to you know turn up and, and win points for europe so i know next week we'll be just giving it 110 percent and just trying his hardest that's all you can do really sure and what do you make of the rest of the team then both for europe and then also the u.s team what do you make of those two selections and what do you think the keys are going to be for both teams going into this week's Ryder Cup? i think we've got a, a good team i think we've got a strong team um Obviously, Team USA on paper is is very very strong. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know the facts. I think they've got probably one of the strongest world ranking wise teams that they've had potentially ever. I think their highest player, Scotty Scheffler, who's ranked twenty first in the world. And you know, we we've got a bit more. We go a bit further back in the world rankings, but I think some I mean, their averages, their average players ranked ninth in the world, and ours is ranked thirty second. Mm-hmm. So on paper, the US has obviously got a very strong team, but in years past had the same things and, and Europe seems to come out, you know, especially in Paris, they were, we played really well. We had, you know, Tommy and uh, Francesco Bolinari came out firing. They mm-hmm. both, you know, won lots of points for Europe. And I don't think a lot of people expected, you know, the people that came out and scored a lot of points to do that. And I think, you know, it's, Europe just brings that, that we've got that connection, that close bond that I think in the team room that the USA team hasn't quite captured yet. They haven't quite figured out how to be a, how to come together for that week of the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think when it comes to these team competitions, Europe just won it that little bit more, don't they? I mean, obviously we've seen some disrupting the US camp already over the last months or so with Brooke and Bryson, but then now Brooks has come out with this other comment recently about the Ryder Cup. And yeah, I just feel like those team events, they're not quite as up for it as us. And that's shown, as you said, in the last, I mean, what have we won now? The last seven out of 10, is it, I think? And then mm. also if you look at the Solheim Cup recently, we weren't favourites for that, I wouldn't say on paper either. And the girls went out and did really well there and won that, which just seems to be... Uh, Something about it for Europe that, that, that they love doing, they love playing in these um, team competitions. Yeah, I think one of the things about playing golf growing up in Europe, I think we we tend to play a lot of match play growing up. I, I, don't, I feel like in the US, other than, you know, high, high level college events, they don't play a lot of match play. It tends to be a lot of stroke play. I mean, especially when I grew up playing junior golf, we played tons of match play. We played, you know, into golf club matches and and there's county matches and all that sort of stuff so I think especially in the UK a lot of people grow up you know really learning the ropes of match play and really enjoying that and I think that might have a little bit something to do with it and then you know the US team I know you said something about the the Brooks comments how they can't quite get into it they can't quite Mm. Brooks I think as you say something like it's a confusing week for him or he doesn't quite feel like he settles into it at you know obviously Brooks is a very good player and I think he's going to play very good golf no matter whether he gets into it or not but it's just whether 
after he's got that extra gear that, that starts to click when he starts to feel like he's part of something bigger than just playing his own game. Yeah, it's a strange comment to make, isn't it, just before it starts? But I think it's the same as well with like the Olympics. I don't know whether they just tend to favour the, the PGA Tour over these kind of events. You know, we saw, we saw a couple of the Americans dropping out of the US team and a bit of controversy with that. So again, maybe they're just prioritising the PGA, whether that's because of money or, or whatever it is. Um, but that tends to be their, their priority. Mm, well, Brooks has definitely made enough money over the majors in the past couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, would, I wouldn't say struggling in the major department. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, I think Brooks is obviously um, in, obviously in a respectful way, is quite a selfish player. That's why he's been so successful in majors. You know, he puts himself first, he puts his needs first, and that's why he goes out and he, he does what he needs to do to win, you know, major competitions. So it's hard for people like that, I think, to come, together one week out of the year to all of a sudden be it's about the team it's about everyone else it's not just about me it's hard to just switch your personality like that all of a sudden sure and with the course then obviously whistling straights a uh, good one for you to uh, to carry around as well what sort of keys yeah. do you think that is going to be the keys for the players this this week as well i mean it's obviously a u.s course but a lot of the a lot of the old boys especially on the europe team especially like your dad they've all had experience around the course as well so it maybe doesn't feel quite like home territory for them yeah, I mean, I've personally never been to Whistling Straits before. I've never been to that part of America, so I can't comment on the golf course quite yet, but I've been told it's a bit hilly. So um, Helen was telling me earlier this week, she's she's glad she's taking this week off. She likes to take the weeks off that are, either, that are usually either verging into the high temperatures or really hilly courses, because I like to do them ones that give her a bit of a break. But mm -hmm. I think, obviously, the US set up their golf course the way they want to set it up it's only fair we get to do it the same way and uh so i think they're going to struggle to set up whistling straights i think in a way that proper favors american players obviously it's going to play long because they've got length as an advantage but it's it, it backs on to a lake it almost plays like a link style golf course mm -hmm. so in that department i feel like europe might have a little bit more a little bit of experience and i'm not well versed in the history of whistling straights but you know i think my, i think that's what's going to play into the US hands is the is the length that it's going to play off the tee and then it might just even out with you know Europe's experience with flighting the ball in different wind conditions and stuff like that because I think the weather for next week I think the wind's meant to be changing almost every day it's going to come from a different direction so it just depends mm -hmm. how well different players can adapt to the the different conditions yeah and I think another thing that always goes in their favor is obviously the fans as well the US fans really get up for it I mean you know, your dad's had a lot of experience in, in uh, Ryder Cups in Europe and the US. Has he said anything in terms of how him and the other players have to get themselves motivated when they're going to be basically in a place that is just going to be, let's say, 95% US fans? Yeah, it's going to feel very hostile. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's not going to be not going to be many European chants, especially with the, the COVID travel bans that are happening right now. Not, no one can get across. So we're really relying on a lot of international Europeans, like US-based Europeans, to kind of show up and and support the team so hopefully we can get a, a couple of people out there and then the the few will sound like the many once europe starts putting some points up on the board and everything goes a bit quiet from the us side hopefully mm -hmm. but uh yeah it's definitely going to feel like we're in we're going to be in you know we're away we're away from home it's going to feel hostile i think we're all prepared that it's it's not going to be very friendly and i think a lot of the players get in the mindset that it's it's the world against them and i think they're well versed in 
in dealing with that. They know how to how to how to play their game and they know how to block everything else out. Otherwise, they won't be the level that they're at. Sure. I mean, I think the start's the big one, as you said there. Just get some points on the board and try and shut the crowd up a little bit, if you like, and yeah. uh, take it from there, really. Yeah, and there's there's other, some players that play within themselves, you know, a bit quieter, just play their own game. And there are ones that really like to get involved with the crowd and, and give it, you know, big fist pumps. Like Ian Poulter, for example, he loves interacting with the crowd. He loves to feed mm-hmm. off of that energy. I feel like when he's hated, when he feels like it's against him, he really starts to turn the heat up a bit and he, he loves to play within that sort of environment. Yeah. And for your dad then, obviously, as you're caddying, you said that you're really not giving any numbers and stuff like that. It's more just about him feeling relaxed and enjoying that time with, with you and, and with Helen. But what are the keys, do you think, for your dad to play well in general and also in a competition like this, besides from maybe just feeling relaxed and, and feeling calm with yourself? Mm. I feel like having confidence in his swing is a massive thing. He's obviously a very consistent player. He's, he's had such a, a long, a long career. And when I think he feels comfortable within himself with his swing, he starts to, you know, that that feeds in other areas of his game. His, his short game starts to, you know, feel good and then in turn is putting. And then if he starts rolling a few in, it's just about momentum and keeping momentum up. And all of a sudden, you hold one long one and you're back in it. And I think momentum's a massive thing in the Ryder Cup. It's a couple of putts here and there. They can change the whole dynamic of the game. So I think once he starts, you know, just feeling... I think it's confidence. I think a lot of his, a lot of it has to do with confidence. Yeah. I mean, I imagine the rest as well in between these tournaments now at his age, because I, I remember when you were caddying for him, I think it was the Honda, wasn't it? After he had those couple of good results and he mm. said himself, like he just didn't quite feel quite right, right, quite right that weekend. And he kind of struggled, didn't he? Yeah, that's got a lot to do with, um, obviously he's played a lot this season. He's played more this season than he's played, especially in the mm-hmm. States, having to travel back and forth. It gets exhausting. I think he had like, an, like a six or seven week stint that time when we were doing. And in between that, on the Mondays and Tuesdays, we'd gone and played Augusta, which is one of the hilliest courses you can go and play when you're doing a long stretch of golf. And that week at the Honda, I think we hit a little bit of a, like a, hit a bit of a wall. It just, it wasn't, it's an easy thing to do. You just overexert yourself a little bit, especially, you know, he's not an, a youngster on the tour anymore. <laughs> he's, he's, sure. he's, an ex, he's an experienced guy. He's been out there a long time. Um, but he's you can't you can't fight you know being tired all you've got to do is you know have a week off have a rest recuperate get your head back in it it's it's especially tough having two weeks in a row where you're in contention and, and you have to keep that mental focus up for so long that just becomes extremely draining so once you've had that and you, you just feel like it's just your tank's emptying out so I think once we finished the Honda and, and I think we had a week a week off after the uh I think it was an event in South Carolina, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think he's he started to get a bit of a bit of a rest and yeah. And tell us about that experience at Augusta. You touched on it a little bit there. So you yeah. obviously caddied, but you also played a couple of practice rounds, I believe, with your dad as well. Tell us a little bit about that yeah. whole kind of week or weekend and experience. Yeah, so we went up. Uh, it's uh, it's my birthday usually the weekend of the Masters. So we went up a couple of weeks before as a and it was. A, an amazing present an amazing experience to go and we were invited to Augusta for a couple of days by one of the members to go and play and it was it's like it's golfing heaven you as soon as you get onto the property it's just it just feels like in a completely different world and we were lucky enough to like stay in one of the cabins on site and I think I, we played I played nine holes as soon as I got in at six o'clock at night 
and uh, the next morning we got out early, we played 18 and then we had lunch and we played another 18 and then we played another 18. The next one we flew, flew out. So we played something like near 54. My dad played something like 54 holes in, in two days and then went on to play a practice round for a different tournament the Wednesday. So, I mean, I was tired and I, I wasn't <laughs> playing the previous weeks before that. Um, but Augusta, it's a special place. It's a different, it's got such a magical feel to it, I'd say. It's yeah. It's just, it's, I'm speechless when I try and talk about it, to be honest, because I can't put it into words how much I enjoyed it. And then again, we went back two, two or three weeks afterwards and it was a Masters. And they, 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 I don't know how you make a place better than where it was, but we suddenly get there and the atmosphere was different and it was, it was everyone was in competition mode and obviously I hung out in the caddy shack the caddy shack there is unreal um some of the people were telling me how good some of the sandwiches were in the caddy shack and I was like yeah, it can't be that good I got in yeah. there I was like I'll take I'll take three or four of them out on the golf course <laughs> yeah you got those famous white overalls as well right famous white I'll just stuff all the pockets for sandwiches yeah, you hung that up somewhere in your bedroom or something. You got it. You got it framed somewhere. I had to give that. I had to give that back at the end of the week. Oh no! Couldn't, couldn't I give kept the cap though. I've got the. I've got the cap up on the shelf over there. Good man. So, would you say that's probably the best moment? I imagine of your. I mean, you're golfing live, either just yourself or yeah. with your dad. My yeah, my Augusta experience, both playing the practice, a little proper practice, and then, and then caddying the week of the Masters. I think has been my greatest golfing experience to date. Um, yeah, I think next week. Could top it at the right the Ryder Cup, I think, especially for Europeans, just holds another. It's got a special place in my dad's heart, and hopefully, yeah. you know, we have a good week this week, and it just becomes. I, just I, becomes I believe you did, did. You beat your old man as well at Augusta. I read to where yeah. little, little chip in on eighteen or something. Yeah, so he set me a target of uh, eighty-two, and it was playing. It was damp. It was playing long, and it was playing. It was playing firm. He said the greens, I think, were some of the firmest they've ever had. I think they softened them up a bit for the week, the Masters, because they were just you like tabletops and the balls were just rolling mm -hmm. off them. And uh, I'd shot, I think I'd shot 83 the first day. And he said, if you can break 82, I'd be impressed. And I was um, I was on track for, you know, finishing within that. And then I doubled uh, 16, hitting the water. Uh then I bogeyed 17, so I was on track to shoot 84 or 83, I think. And then I, I had to hit it just short of the trap on the left on 18. It was into the wind uphill, and that, that 18 plays a lot more into the hill than you think. And I hit yeah. a it hit one that just went up into the wind and got caught, and it and it landed, you know, 20 yards short of the green. And it was such a tricky chip. And I was playing with uh, Shane Lowry. And um, I'm addressing this chip and I'm thinking, you know, just hit it up there, hit it close the best I can get. And it, it pitches right in the spot where I wanted it to and it just kicks in and starts to camber in. And I can't see it because I'm so far below the level of the green. And all of a sudden, Shane starts screaming. He jumps six feet in the air. <laughs> he goes, it's in, it's in. And I'm like, is it? And I woke up the ramp and I'm like, huh. And uh, <laughs> apparently everyone in the clubhouse could see that um, I, I chipped it in and uh, I got a nice round of applause when I went into the clubhouse afterwards, which was pretty cool. And then... Uh, I pipped him on the 18th, yeah, to win, yeah. to win the money. Anybody got that on camera? No, no one's got it on camera. It's just me and my memory banks. No one will believe me, but yeah, best shot of your life, I imagine. Best shot of my life, and no one's, no one caught it on camera.
<laughs> we've all been there so um when did you start to get into golf itself then because I, I don't think you were really that interested were you a long time ago your dad mentioned and then you kind of got into it over time yeah I started uh pretty late um about 14 15 I started to get into it uh when I was younger I didn't I didn't get into it um it was more like dad's job so I was I wasn't that interested in it and then when we moved um to I moved to Edinburgh in East Lothian, well out in East Lothian next to Edinburgh and the the golf courses around there are some of the best in the world it's the golf coast for a reason um and I just started to play more and I, I um me and my, actually the reason I started playing was my dad said if I wanted to play in the Dimension Data Pro-Am on the Sunshine Tour so he'd be the pro and I'd be his amateur and we'd go play in the tournament mm -hmm. for the week I said dad I don't have a handicap I don't really play much and he said we'll get your game in shape then so I had four or five months to get me a game in shape to play in this pro-am. And we went out to South Africa. And I think on one of the days I had something like six net birdies and two net eagles. And I think we finished third place for the week. And after that, I kind of got a bit of the bug. And after mm -hmm. a year, I went, I went from an 18 handicap to a, like a eight handicap. And then after two years, I worked my way down to a, um like a four or three and I got stuck on low figures for a while. I hit a bit of a wall and then I'll, I'm working my way down and I'm off like plus two now. So my, my games got better as the years have gone by, but I've obviously got a pretty good coach and I was fairly consistent with the way I was practicing. I was practicing at, um, after school, like for an hour or two each day. Mm -hmm. And then in Scotland in the winter and it got dark at three o'clock and, I was playing as the sun went down, it was getting cold and I'd play when it was snow and then I, I proper got the bug and I was really enjoying it. And then I, and then obviously yeah. I started to think about playing a bit competitively and I played a bit on uh, on the uh, 2020 Pro Tour. Obviously okay. didn't have many good didn't have many good results in that in the UK, but I, I've just gained a lot of experience through playing on things like that. And um, I just enjoy being competitive in the way I play. Yeah, I mean, was it quite a competitive family growing up? I mean, I know that you, your dad grew up in a bit of a competitive family, but he's always talked mm. about that he's never kind of pushed you or your sister into golf or sports. So yeah, did you play other sports when you were younger? Did he try and get you into golf? What was it, what was it like? Yeah, I played a lot of different sports when I was growing up. When I lived in England, I played, uh, I was in athletics. Um, I played a bit of cricket, did a bit of football, a bit of rugby, a bit of all-rounder. Then moved to America for a bit, got into my basketball, a bit of American football. Um, then came back and became pretty became pretty golf focused. I dropped pretty much everything else. But yeah, I never felt any pressure to to pick up golf or or do anything I didn't want to do. Um, obviously, it comes from both sides of my family. I've got my uncle who um, Andrew who plays um Ryder Cup. Uh, I think he played a Ryder Cup. He did play a Ryder Cup, and um, now he's on Sky, and I get tips off him all the time. And we've played a few times, so. Not only have I got it from my dad's side, but I've got it from my mum's side as well, my mum's yeah. brother. So it, it, it golf really does run in the blood. Yeah. Well, your dad's mentioned, I think, a couple of times that, you know, he looks at your swing and says you could be a better player than him sometimes. Yeah. I've, I, well, we've got very similar swings just because I've grown up watching him. I've, mm -hmm. I've adopted all of his mannerisms and by proxy all of his flaws as well. So every time I'm struggling, he's usually, he gives me the same advice he gives himself. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot to do with, you know, basics, head height, all that sort of stuff. Just a lot of the mechanics that I, he's got, I've got just through watching yeah. him and growing up. Well, it's interesting isn't it? because normally with a teacher, you'd say, whatever you do, don't watch what the pros do. Don't, 
don't watch Lee Westwood yeah. swing and try and copy him, right? But like you said, he I think he was coaching you for a little while, wasn't he? He did some lessons with you. So were you Yeah, he gives looking... me he gives me help whenever I want. He, I yeah. send him videos all the time. But when I was when I first started to play, my swing was very similar to his. I had quite a quite a cupped wrist. And and as time's gone on, I've started to swing more like a more of a modern you know the way mm-hmm. modern golfers swing it with like a shot club face quite a strong quite a strong wrist and and shallowing out and all this sort of stuff well whereas my dad used to teach me how he used to hit balls when he was growing mm-hmm. up you have to hit to hit down and get spin on it and you know you have to play with a lot of loft so you can get the ball up in the air but nowadays you don't have to do that with modern equipment you can you know you can swing a completely different way it's the modern golf swing so as as over the last couple of years as i've got better i've I changed my swing to to be my own swing i've really made my own golf swing yeah i mean that's what i was going to ask you've obviously picked up you know his traits when you were watching him but now you're not kind of looking at his swing and still trying to do bits and pieces you're more just now trying to focus on your own and develop your own swing yeah i've definitely started to you know work on my own stuff develop my own swing um obviously i take a lot of drills from him he tells me what you know some good drills to do because even though i've got my own swing a lot of the faults we've got still come from the same places they mm-hmm. might not they might not look the same but the the input is you know the problem so sometimes i'm not turning properly on my right side and i'm dropping my head high and it's we've all got the same problems and it's just it's easier for him to see them sort of things than anything else but i i get a couple of tips off um his coach as well who works well, with him gonna, i was going to say have you got a coach yourself now as well like a full time coach that you work with yourself i don't really work with a full time coach now if i'm struggling i just get me swing on video and i, I kind of over the years because my dad's told me so much I can kind of see my own faults and I know the right drills to be doing um I had maybe two lessons with Pete Cowan a year or two ago we worked on a lot of different stuff um I get coaching tips off his coach Liam and I get tips off him too many too many cooks for the broth yeah if I keep getting advice from a bunch of different places I'm gonna I'm not gonna think I'm not gonna be able to figure out my, my stuff for myself Sure. And what are your plans with golf for the future? Obviously, you're caddying next week, but do you see yourself yeah. playing in more tournaments? Do you see yourself doing more caddying? What What do you kind of want to do with your golf in the future? I see, no matter what I do in the future, I see golf being involved. I think um, I love it so much that I don't think I could, like, I don't think I could live without it being part of my life. So I think whatever I do, I'll go into the, the golfing business. Um, I do enjoy caddying, but obviously it takes a lot of time away, especially with the, I've got university stuff right now. So, I'm doing the Ryder Cup next week and then I won't be doing much caddying for the rest of the year because uh, obviously now that um, the UK is open back up a bit more, mm-hmm. excuse me, universities open again. So um, it's great to be able to go back in and, and do a lot of work. So when it was online, I was able to go out to the States and caddy because I could do my classes in the morning and then go out and caddy because of the time difference. Um, so now not as much caddying for the rest of the year. I'm not sure my dad's schedule is like for the rest of the year, maybe some more in the new year. Um, but I'd like to play more competitive, more competitive golf. I, I really mm-hmm. enjoy being being out there, you against the field, trying to shoot your best. I think I love playing golf with a scorecard in the back of my pocket. It's it's hard to concentrate when you're just playing casual round. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love playing with my, with my mates and going out and having a nice relaxing round. But I love I love being competitive. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, how is the game like when you play with your dad? Does it get pretty competitive? or is it... it gets very competitive, yeah. He yeah. gets chirpy every now and then. He likes to chirp up, give me a bit of smack talk, get in my head, which he does a very good job of. He's uh-huh. very good at talking smack to me. And that obviously i got to take it because I can't, I can't tell him to... I can't say bad words to him because he'll just tell me off. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
he seems like one of those. He's like you know very relaxed. Then all of a sudden he'll come out with a little joke or a, a little, yeah. little dig, like you said. A little dig. He's yeah, he loves his <laughs> digs. And then um, yeah, we played the closest I've come to beating him. We played. We've been round two nine holes. Um, uh, he didn't give me any shots one day, and I was maybe one up for two to go, and I lost one down. I choked a little bit, put a little bit of pressure on me, started to make some birdies. Um, and then another one, I think, I was a bit younger, but he didn't give me any strokes, and I lost two down, and I was actually really happy that I'd only lost by that margin. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you, must be, you must be already out driving him now, I imagine. I can keep up. I just about keep up with him, yeah, but I, he's obviously more consistent than I am. When I get one out sure. there, I get it, and I knock it, I knock it past him, and I see him reach for his three woods. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to seem like I can drive it past. <laughs> it's a sneaky but move, isn't it? It's a sneaky move, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, obviously, when I when I hit one out the heel, it didn't go quite as far as his. I mean, um, apart from the obvious things with obviously his swing and and how he plays golf in terms of the swing, what else have you learned from him over the years by watching him that you can take into your own game when you're playing? In the last couple of years, he's really worked hard on his his golf mentality. He's changed his mentality and the and the the psychology he has on the golf course a lot more. So I can take what he gets told by his uh, sports psychologist and, and, and interpret it my own way and, and put it into my game. I feel like I've I've picked up a lot of good tips on how um, you know course management as well. It's been a massive thing for me, being able to uh, avoid making you know um, mistakes on top of like a mistake on top of a mistake and. Mm-hmm. you know playing safe when, when to play safe when to play aggressive when to shoot for pins the kind of shot shape I like to play um, the way my dad's taught me is um, a lot of the golf has to do with feel and and um, you know seeing shapes and seeing your shots as opposed to more of the you know, robotic mechanic sort of movements like teaching golf is more of an art than a, than a numbers game which is nice to you know be a bit creative with the golf with my golf game rather than you know it being rigid and it has to be straight and it has to be perfect yeah and he's, he's got into his you know fitness obviously a lot recently as well he, he takes that a lot more serious if you if you took that kind of stuff on board as well yeah i've been getting in the gym recently um obviously not bulking up like bryson did um that's <laughs> a bit extreme um but yeah i do a bit of gym work every now and then um you know a lot of lot like lateral movement stuff and and band work band work's really helped because it's um obviously i've got i'm young i'm quite flexible but to like be able to build up the muscle, you know, the muscles I've got now is going to be like very beneficial later down the line when I'm much older. Yeah. Well, listen, just a last little word on next week then. Can you give us a bit of a score prediction? I presume you're going to say that Europe's going to win, Ooh. but any any score prediction from you? Oh, do I keep my mouth shut? <laughs> um, yeah, I think Europe's going to win. I've obviously got the strongest side, but I'll, I'll keep my scoring predictions to myself, I think. I'll write, down in, I'll write them down in my notes. I'll write them down in my notes and I'll send it to you. And then you can publish it and see if I'm right once we're finished. <laughs> That's a wise move. Well, Sam, listen, I appreciate your time. I know you obviously got a busy week next week, so I appreciate this. And uh, good luck to you. Good luck to your dad. And no, we'll be cheering on it. Team Europe. No, it's great. Thanks for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Great to meet you, mate. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Bye.